Well, welcome to worship. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor here, whether you're here with us in person or you are joining us online. If you want to follow along, you can do so for the message in our app. We always have sermon notes there that just kind of will help you focus a bit. So today we are starting something brand new. We are starting a new series called Jump Start. You may have come in and thought, why are there all those jumper cables hanging up in the front of the church? This is why. Jumpstart your life, your joy, and your faith. And the big idea here is that we all go through times where we need a little jumpstart. Maybe because our faith is kind of fall into the side as we've been dealing with other things. It may be that we've gone through some tough times and our faith is kind of struggling. Whatever it is, all of us find ourselves needing a reboot, needing somebody to put some jumper cables on our faith and to, to get it restarted again. So we're going to be about strengthening our faith. We're going to be about having a fresh start. So over these next six weeks, we are going to be looking at the book of James, which uh, some scholars have said is the handbook for Christian living. It's a book in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with James, if you want to read along, you certainly can do that. But it's a great book to help you and I think about how to live as everyday followers of Jesus. What does that look like for us? So today we're going to start with a big one. We're going to start with trials and temptations. And let me start with James chapter 1. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Blessed is the one who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one, when tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desires, being lured and enticed by them. Then, when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and that sin, when fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're going to do some real Bible study today on all of our texts, but we're going to start by talking about James and just giving you a little bit of background on him. So James refers to himself as a slave or servant, depending on the translation, 
of God. Many scholars believe that he is Jesus's brother, and he's writing to the Jewish Christians. Now, the Jewish Christians are the first group of Christians. They are the largest group of Christians, and they're the earliest followers of Jesus at this time. And he's writing to them during a time of persecution. This is a time when these Christians were being persecuted and they had scattered outside of Israel and they were living in a time of exile. They were living in a time of instability. So the tone of the letter is about how to live your life when things are difficult, how to look at things in a different way. So the context for us, I think, is really important because it helps us understand that this is a letter for people who are living in the midst of challenge, just like all of us, living in a time where we need some help and advice, some wisdom and guidance about how to live when things aren't going according to our plan. So that context is helpful for us as we look now at the text. Let's look at the first section. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So right when this text starts, you may feel a little like, huh? Consider trials? Consider temptation joy? So sometimes when I read in scripture and it doesn't quite seem to line up with what I think it should say, you look up the word in Greek with the hope that it means something different in the Greek. But no such luck. The word joy in Greek is pretty much the same as the word joy in English. And in fact, other translations of this text actually turn up the idea of joy and say, consider it pure joy or nothing but joy or sheer joy. Is that realistic? Is it realistic for us to think that when we have a trial or temptation in our life, that it's a joy? Well, let's look at the text again and see actually what it says. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because, this is the important part, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. James is not saying that trials and tests, it's actually the same word in the Greek, trials and temptations, that trials and temptations bring us joy. We don't get joy out of the fact that things are hard. Instead, what it's saying is this, that we can be joyful even in the midst of our trials and temptations because we can recognize that God is at work in the midst of our life, helping to make us more adult, helping to grow us up, resourcing us. Another way to say it is this. 
Our trials don't have to impede God's purpose in us, but they can actually advance them. The big issue in all of this is if. If we respond to trials and temptations with faith, with perseverance. I want you to get that joy in this text really isn't about a feeling. You might call it instead a reckoning or a decision to look at life that way. This is a text about how our difficulties are not really about what they cost us, but they are about the value they could have in growing and maturing us. And this is what leads to joy. In times of challenge and difficulty, which we all have, we are each faced with a choice. Will we see that time through the lens of what has gone wrong, what has been taken from us, what isn't working, which is, of course, a very human and very normal way, or will we look to find endurance and in that reap whatever benefit may be there, even, even in our darkest moments? I had an experience of living this text out in my own life. In uh, 1989, my brother took his life, and it was a devastating thing for us, my whole family. We all kind of reacted in different ways, and the brokenness that was already a part of my family um, just accelerated, and uh, everyone was really shook and really upset at the loss of David. And for me, um, at first, and I think this is true when we're in the midst of a difficult time, all we can be is in the midst of it. But there came a moment where I felt that God was giving me an opportunity to grow. And I thought to myself, I, I would like it that on the year anniversary of David's death, that I would be able to stand at his grave and to know that I am a more faithful, a more compassionate, a more loving person, that I have used this experience, that I have given it to God so that God might do something in me in the midst of this awful situation. When we all face times of trial, times of temptation, initially, we're just stuck in the horror and the awfulness of it. But eventually we get to a place where we face the choice. Will we let the situation be used by God so that we might become better? Or will we find ourselves only being bitter? We all face these times. You may actually be facing one of them right now, a time of trial, a time of temptation, a time that feels like it is testing for you. And if you're not facing it, there may be someone close to you who's dealing with this. Today, you may feel very far 
from considering what you are dealing with in the context of joy. But know this, that you are not alone. And that in the midst of this, God is with you always. Here's the second part of the text. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So this follows directly that first part of the text, and it just really seeks to deepen some of what we've already heard. You know, now we hear that the Christian life is one in which we are invited to cultivate this deeper trust in God in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties. In the midst of all these times, there is an opportunity to grow in our trust and to grow in our understanding of the goodness of God. And in this section of the text, it lifts up the importance of wisdom and how we all need wisdom. Do you need some wisdom these days? Yeah. We need to know what to do. In the midst of trials and temptations, the wisdom we need may be very practical wisdom. What's the next step? What should we do? What is needed? The text says that God will give us wisdom ungrudgingly, generously. All the wisdom we need. And this is the promise, though it may be that even in the past, you didn't ask for God's wisdom or you didn't use the wisdom you got. There may be times when you went through trials and temptations before and you just stumbled and didn't utilize the wisdom that could be there for you. That doesn't matter. God wants to give you that wisdom now in the midst of what you're dealing with now. This is how we receive that wisdom. The text puts it this way. It says, but ask in faith, never doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And this text reminds us that we are to trust in God. We're to ask in faith, and we're to believe that God will come through for us. The text says when we don't believe, when we doubt God, we're unstable. I kind of think of it like we're on the boat in the midst of really rough waters, getting tossed to and fro. When we doubt, it causes us to miss what God might have for us. So do you doubt God? When you're in the midst of a trial or temptation, do you doubt God? I think a lot of us would say, I don't doubt God, I doubt myself. I doubt myself. But the thing is, 
Many of the doubts we have about ourselves are opportunities to grow our understanding of who God is. This is an example. Let's say that you think in the midst of this trial you're dealing with that you are too weak to deal with it. You can't, you can't get through it. It's too much for you. You may be doubting that God has strength enough to get you through. Maybe you think, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I don't know which direction to go in the midst of this trial and temptation. When we doubt ourselves like this, underneath it may be that we are doubting God's wisdom to get us through. Maybe you think you've made too many mistakes. That you've just made mistake after mistake after mistake. And in the midst of this trial and temptation, it's just another opportunity for you to falter. When you feel that, what's underneath it is you're doubting that God could forgive. That God could forgive even you. I think we miss this part. I think we notice how we doubt ourselves in the midst of trials and temptations, if we can get through them, if we can make the right choices. But we have to recognize that you and I, we will always fall short. But God meets us, and God will make up for our shortcomings if we will believe that God does that. Let's look at the last section of the text. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one, when tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. The text ends with encouragement to us. Really, a blessing is given to us as we endure what is before us, as we endure life's trials and temptations. We know that when we are caught in the middle of these times, it is easy for us, as we are in the middle of a trial and temptation, to think about who is at fault here. Who is responsible for this situation? And sometimes we decide and we blame God for what's going on. But the text points out God doesn't bring these trials and temptations. Life does. Our own choices do. The situations we find ourselves in. When we find ourselves in times of trouble, we may look to God and say that God is responsible, but I do not believe that that is true. I do not believe that God causes the death of a loved one. I do not believe that God causes a car accident that winds them up in the hospital. 
I do not believe that God causes financial ruin or a divorce or an illness in order to teach us a lesson. Instead, what I believe is that God meets us in the midst of it and like a loving parent comforts us and strengthens us and invites us someday to live again. So, I want you to think about your own life. What trials, what temptations are you facing right now? May come right up for you. May not. Might be big. Could be little. What trials and temptations are you facing that you could bring to God? And that you could see this time, not as a time of your defeat, but a chance to grow into who God is calling you to be next. Most times when we face a trial or temptation, a loss, a grief, something difficult in life, we're aware we can't change the circumstances. We can't go back in time and make things change and be different. It's the reality of what is. We can't change what is, but God can change us, can grow us, can deepen us, so that we are able to deal with what is. Because the good news is, God loves us. And that is a love that seeks to meet us in the midst of our very real and very broken lives and grow us help us in the midst of trials and temptations so that we will become more mature, we will become more grounded, we will become more loving. We need to all know that we are people of faith who have been given choices in this life about how we will deal with our trials and our temptations. And we can know that in the midst of trials and temptations, that we can actually grow our faith and find, even in the worst times, a life that is worth living. Let us pray. Oh.